We are fortunate to have Christian Narciso on today's episode. Narciso is a professional basketball coach from Italy who has had the opportunity to coach at at different levels across Europe, both men's and women's basketball. Most recently, Narciso was head coach in Malta, where his team enjoyed a successful season, including claiming the, is it Louis Borg Cup? Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, William. All right. Thank coach, you. Yeah, Coach Narciso, thanks for talking some basketball with us today. How's everything in Europe? Yeah, it's everything great here, uh, apart from the weather, which sucks a little bit. In Italy, normally, we're known for uh, good weather and everything. Right now, it's uh, a lot rainy, but you know, we're settling up on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, the, Italy had those floods a while back. Uh, didn't ha- Did it happen where near where you live? It, and can you kind of tell us where you live in uh, Italy? Yeah, I live in Naples, which mm-hmm. is the uh, southern part of Italy. Uh, that happened more in the north. Uh, but it, on, normally, like, it happens also. It happened before uh, also in South Italy. It's uh, mostly in uh, places where there are rivers and uh or they make construction over the water and that's that's what's happening uh most likely that's why these things are happening but anyway now everything is uh is better i know that uh, they've been finding places for everyone so that's uh that's not an emergency anymore right now so well that's good to hear most yeah yeah so, I'm ex- yeah, so I'm excited to have you on. I mean, you like we talked about, you just ended a successful season um, in Malta. And so we'll probably talk a little bit about that and then just kind of your experience. So how have you approached decisions and your development as a coach to help further your career? Well, all right. Uh, I will start a little bit from when I started. Uh, I started coaching at uh, 20 years old uh, while I was still playing at the time so I found myself passing quickly from uh, helping kids and then I found myself in a professional environment so uh, I I went on being assistant with a youth program of women's team of uh, A2 second best league in Italy in, in Italy and same year uh, we went on to national uh, finals so we kind of shocked many better teams uh, than us so then from that moment uh, they brought me next year as an assistant and video coordinator of the of the first team in A2, and we had the um, the most uh, young the youngest uh, team in the league. Uh, we reached the playoffs too. So and, and I was that coach of the under thirteen ladies. So they were uh, really small ladies, and uh, we reached the regional. Uh, we were regional champs. So it was a good start. Let's say I was fortunate. <laughs> then I. Eventually, I, I developed a passion for details. You know, I continued to study and attend courses. Here in Italy, uh, the Federation has, uh, provides many steps to reach the FIBA Europe Islands level. Actually, this summer, I'm going to be to the the, the, la- the latest uh, step to have the FIBA Europe uh, silent, uh, the certificate. So I invested all my time on it. Uh, and while I was uh, studying sports science, I'm, uh, I have a bachelor in sports science. So I experimented all the concept with youth and senior teams in the first uh, in the first years. And then before getting a chance to go overseas, uh, let's say. Denmark with a men's team. And they, they were in a third division, which is uh, kind of low there. Uh, but then in two consecutive seasons, we move up to Division 1, which is the second best there in Denmark. And then, you know, uh, I moved to the biggest uh, youth academy in uh, Copenhagen. 
and there COVID happened. Uh, we had a good season also with the under 17 of Falcon and COVID happened. So I wanted to stay longer probably there, uh, but then I had to come back to Italy. Uh, but that period actually was a great investment because uh, it helped me attend clinics, attend courses, make a network, expand my knowledge of basketball. So honestly, it's been a game changer this, that period. It's been suffering a little bit, but a lot of network uh, from that uh, from that time on. So also my coaching philosophy changed completely. I focused more on decision-making aspect of the game. Uh, I implemented the CLA uh, game approach uh, and all the modern basketball tools that fit in my values. So the thing uh, is like change is the only constant thing in life and uh, I apply it uh, every day. So Yeah. So I, can you tell us what piqued your interest in basketball? I mean, obviously you said you, you played, but like at what point were you kind of like – I would like to coach this game. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that was a not an easy uh, you know uh, stage because uh, well when you're 19 you want to play you know want to play as uh, high as possible so you're competitive. Uh, I kind of was bored to go and uh, coach kids, but then from that perspective, I started to see uh, it opened my mind. I, I met uh, then the head coach I was uh, following. I was the assistant. He proposed me to be his assistant. He he was having this uh, career. He uh, Antonio Dalbero. He has been uh, coaching also national team in Jamaica, in Macedonia, and uh, in Europe, in Aruba. So it's like being uh, close to him. I started to learn like, oh, this could be a job. This could be something great because like you know, uh, at nineteen sometimes you don't know what to do. Uh, in your life in general, I was studying sports science. So I'm like, wow, it would be amazing to follow a career like that. So that started like that. So <laughs> yeah, and and then you talked about you know how um, the shutdown from COVID kind of really, I guess, probably spurred your development and helped you kind of, uh, I guess, focus your path as a coach. And so you know, just with that, and then the time that you've had since um, that shutdown or lockdown time. How what have you discovered is the role of the coach? I mean, what do you believe a coach should be doing? Well, in that period, I started also being interested in uh, life coaching and mental coaching. So together with the sports science background, uh, now I look more at the person I'm coaching before the athlete, you know. So uh, my goal is to make him better as a person before uh, as a better performer. Or a, in, The most important thing is installing a connection. So being a coach means to be a role model, an example, to be coherent. And it's not always easy because, you know, uh, but when you're young, you make a lot of mistakes, uh, but noticing everything and also when there are mistakes to recognize and change them, be ready to embrace it. Uh, I always say that mistake is part of the learning process, both for athletes and for coaches. So I think that was the main key that helped me through. And also, uh, for example, this season at Melia Malta First League, I had an unpaired connection with all my players. It's, it was probably uh, the best time that I had with my players because we we could relate to each other on and off the court. I managed to convince them to apply yoga concept to our practice. So you can imagine I had uh, three Serbian guys and sometimes <laughs> these players are really good, but they're also a uh, bit close-minded. So yeah. reach that type of, uh, you know, uh, connection that uh, I, I made them uh, try something totally new because uh, I'm pushing this uh, player development uh, uh, that I started with my wife, Flexi Bowler. 
and we uh, we kind of mix the yoga concepts with the uh, decision making so that uh, also i managed to convince the president also to to be the sponsor to be the main sponsor of the of the club so uh, we helped uh, with that and also we implemented the yoga twice in a, in a week with the guys so that at big time because uh, the guys were um, at the beginning of the season uh, being always the let's say uh, not the main team they they are young club they've been there only three seasons in the first league they were always beaten by better teams and then this year was kind of different was kind of you know mentally they knew that they could beat anyone and that helped us a lot we uh, probably overachieved <laughs> for uh, the type of team we were and i believe that that has been a game changer and also talking also about the coach role is uh, it gives more way way more back knowing that uh, i'm affecting not only the player but also helping the person with the daily struggles and i feel like uh, i have the most amazing job ever so that's uh, you know that's the most important thing of my job can you tell me about yoga and decision making like how do those two how do those two things mix especially in a basketball environment yeah, that's uh, that's something totally new because uh, I mean, probably not not as much new because uh, many of the strength and conditioning coaches are using yoga poses, are using uh, something of yoga. But we kind of I liked because I was following also myself. Honestly, I tried on myself and I was so skeptical. I, mm -hmm. I couldn't even reach my toes. So <laughs> at the beginning, I was like, ah, this is bullshit. And then, you know, having also my wife doing it every day, I kind of got used to it. I started doing it. I tried on myself and then I say, I know what, this can help also players. But how can we sell that? This That's a little bit, you know, uh, it's not, it's an, uh, unorthodox a little bit. But, well, we tried. We had them uh, really open-minded on that. It's just like uh, not only the poses, not only, you know, the part of yoga, which is uh, kind of helping them to focus mentally and to be flexible, obviously. But the most important thing is like they're becoming flexible mentally. And then on the court, that race with the decision-making, uh, you know, uh, small side games, uh, little exercise that, uh, uh, for example, we use some part of visualization. For example, we make a, a, I don't know, a three-on-three on half-court. Three on half and then uh, uh, we want to use uh, some constraint. Uh, and, and then at the beginning, they're a little bit confused. They don't know what to do. And then we try to sit down and make a meditation and visualize what we would like to do or how do we picture that. And then it's totally different when they retry it after 10 minutes of meditation. And it's like, okay, it's like you're wasting 10 minutes of your practice. Mm. The, the the result afterwards is like wow we we're doing great here and then we are experimenting we went on uh, in Denmark again with another club that we never worked before they gave us the chance to to coach a, a senior team for uh, three days we made a full immersion we made twelve hours I think fifteen hours in three days and like you could see the result even in three days so that at least from the feedbacks and that was great because it's like okay. Uh, I'm helping not only my players to develop as a player, you know, the young uh, player to to reach the, their goals, but it's also about, you know, 30 years old players that they were not able to move properly because they had the back spasm or back pain and then they were feeling better with themselves apart from the basketball side. So that is uh, unmatched uh, for me. Like the feedback is uh, is amazing on that side. 
Yeah, that's interesting because there was an article in the New York Times during the NBA playoffs about Kevon Looney, and it focused on his use of yoga, um, you know, and it kind of tied that his ability to stay on the court and yeah. play essentially every game the last two years uh, has a lot to do with this. Have you found that it does prevent a lot of injuries and, and keeps uh, players fresh? It does. It does. Honestly, uh, we have been. All right. So we lost Christian there for a minute. He's back. And so we were just talking about uh, the article that I saw in the New York times about Kevon Looney and how that's kind of helped him uh, be able to be the iron man of NBA basketball the last few years. What have you found as far as um, that, that, uh, that use of yoga and enhancing or helping uh, athletes be uh, be healthier and uh, fresher. Yeah, well, uh, apart from the injury prevention, I think it's uh, it's helping a lot on the mental side. It's uh, boosting the self esteem. It's uh, making in your mind, you know, that everything it's easier to do. It's like I believe that most of the things that uh, players are not exploring is like they believe so much in their uh, physical, you know, ability and everything, and then. Is happening some uh, you know injury and then mentally they cannot even accept that you know we have been having also Jamal Murray you know, he's coming back mm -hmm. after an injury of two years at the beginning it was not at the same level but now he finished there so it's like it's something that uh, players are dealing early so it's important because mentally it's making you flexible that's you know that's why we call it flexible there because it's like it's not only uh, uh, helping your flexibility because the range of motion is changing and then mentally you're unlocking yourself. It's like, okay, I can do that. So if I can do that, that applies for many things on the court, for many things in life. So actually it helped me to not have problem with back and I, I was a piece of wood. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not playing anymore. So it uh, if it works, um, it, it's also subjective. You know, when it's working for you, it's easier than to give it to the others. It's like, okay, see, for me, it was working. Could be that it's helping you out. Then when someone is buying in on that, at some point we had a, a moment of the season we we didn't do yoga, and uh, I had my players asking asking me for that. It's like, hey, coach, why are we not doing yoga? It's like, okay, right. And we were focusing a little bit more because we had the two finals in a row. And actually, we implemented it again, and it helped uh, them recover. Actually, the cup that we won, the Luis Borch, I think uh, it was the hardest one because we played on Friday and on Sunday. So we had game one on Friday, and then on uh, Sunday we had aggregate, you know? So you had to win both games or you had to lose not uh, as right, right. much as yep. you. So it was the toughest one, actually. That made me lose also the best player because he oh, no. got uh, torn his ACL. Likely, he, he was the best uh, player in the league, uh, scoring 35 per game, 12 rebounds, uh, assistments. So he was a great player, and uh, actually from Nova Southeastern, so okay. uh, yeah. also in college. Yeah, and yeah. yeah so. I believe that. Uh, honestly, I've been trying that, and it's great. I think also Kevin Love in the past has been talking yeah, about right, that. Right, and, uh, yeah, right, right. Even James, uh, we know that they apply stuff uh, that is uh, yoga related, and not only for the physical part. All right. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, some of your X's and O's. And so my first question for you is: Do you approach your team coaching from a, dis a defensive perspective or an offensive perspective? 
I know that you incorporate both, but how do you, how do you, uh, you know, wh which side do you usually coming from? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've been telling you, it depends a lot. Of the uh, normally I study the team first that I have to coach. Mm -hmm. uh, it happened with both men's team, for example, that I coached, uh, uh, it was Vian in Denmark and it was uh, Melia uh, this season. And I've seen that uh, they had more problems on defense than on offense. So I started from there. I started from the defensive uh, part. So uh, it's important they had to be tough to beat uh, for the opponents. It's uh, also, put it like that in that perspective, is more appealing than an effort. You know, when you see that communication and press make things easier for our offense. So uh, it's like... These two teams, making the comparison between the two teams I've been coaching at a pro level, uh, they have two different uh, build teams because one uh, uh, one in Bayern, I had a big uh, big man, a quick big man and many guards. So we choose to make, for example, edge and trap on pick and roll, uh, full press. Uh, instead, uh, in my last season in Malta, we had a small ball set up. Actually, our big man, fake big man was, uh, was a guard. Uh, was a six six, so um, it, it was totally different setup. No bigs, so we we pick, we choose to switch on everything, and also we had the whole team was kind of the same size. So uh, that that is like my approach in the latest. But then depends. For example, there are some uh, teams that are built already defensively with an identity, and that is easier because then you can focus on the offense mostly. On offense, what I do is I tend to give a conceptual offense based on transition game. So that is like our uh, go-to in case also something is not working. So I always start from there and then reading from there. Uh, as I focus a lot on decision-making, I want them to, to read uh, the game, to make mistakes. Uh, as in the practice, we try more uh, uh, SSG like this. I give many responsibilities to them. Uh, above all, two, two things, two important key things for me. It's uh, to make initiative and to maintain the advantage. So mm -hmm. that's the most important for me. So then depending on the qualities of the performers, uh, the sets are uh, to make, you know, uh, them perform at their best, uh, our best weapons. For example, uh, in Melia, we, we had uh, mostly horn sets. Mm -hmm. And uh, based from that, we were having a lot of advantage of the player. Uh, we had a good shooter off the player. Uh, then we had the stump stagger because we had uh, a second shooter on the court. Against zone defense, uh, we were on the court with three shooters. Uh, and then there was uh, our uh, a foreigner that uh, was really good at attacking the, the zone. So it was easy then to have uh, the defense collapse and then wide open shots with extra passes. So depends. Uh, I, I believe uh, my belief about uh, coaching is that... Uh, uh, is the qualities of the performance. Uh, like a coach has to adapt to their teams and not all the way around. Like we are transformers. Of course, if you get to choose all your team, you based on the, on the type of uh, philosophy you have. I love uh, that my teams are running. I love that they're pressing. Uh, but of course, if I have an older team, I cannot do that anymore. For example, that happened in the latest stage of the season with Malia. We started from being a very press uh, zone press team uh, and then eventually having some uh, new uh, acquires that were older were uh, a different uh, type of players we had to adapt also and change eventually so also the key to, to success for my side is to, to be adaptive no? you have to yeah. adapt to every situation
Yeah, no, I think uh, that's a great uh, idea there. And it's something that I've uh, talked to my coaches about this summer because we're in the middle of summer basketball is that here we're using this summer season to kind of assess what we have and then collect this data, analyze it. So then when we come back in the winter, you know, we know, okay, these are some things that we have to change because, you know, even even though we're getting several kids back from last year, they're just, it's just going to be a different dynamic. And so we have to figure out what that dynamic yeah. is and, and play off their uh, play off their strengths. It, it seems all easy to be a coach, but then you have to uh, find out a lot of stuff and then to adapt and change all the time. That's, right. how, that's the job we chose. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's a good uh, lesson to young coaches out there is that here, you know, yeah, it's simple to have one system and then take that around from place to place or from team to team. But I think most good coaches, great coaches, they're usually going to have to adapt and be, uh, yeah. look at things. And, and that's, and that's kind of the hard part, like figuring out, okay, what, what are the, what are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? And then how we, do we uh, put that into a plan? Yeah. Also, you can see that uh, at a higher level too. Uh, I make the example of Obrado, which he has been changing totally the type of uh, sets he is running, but because he's adapting to the time, to the type of players. And the same thing I can tell about uh, Mike Brown. Mike Brown was uh, coach of the year with the Cleveland. How many years ago it was yeah. 2000? Uh, 2006 probably. Yeah. And now it's like after many years, like a decade, two decades, and then he's he is uh, a uh, head uh, coach of the season again. It's like you have to adapt. You have to get better, and uh, you know to know the game. And it's like it's, it's never given that for granted. No, for sure. I want to ask you a few more questions uh, about defense. So, uh, what makes a team tough to beat on the defensive end? All right. Uh, for me, having a common goal. It's like it's decided at the beginning of the season. Make everyone accountable for reaching those goals, and be aware that we don't. For example, this year, uh, we don't want to be a team. And then they were looking at me like, what, what coach, what we have to be? We have to be a family, like, because we share everything. It's like, if we know that we have this common goal, we want to win. We want to go to the finals of every cup. That's what, that was our goal. At the beginning, they were looking at me like, this guy's crazy. We never won anything now. He wants to go to all the finals. It's like, okay, but you believe in that. If you believe in that, then we have to work. Then next step is like, okay, um, we have to be accountable. To, to reach those goals. So when you start to have this type of commitment, then it's easy to ask them to be aggressive on defense because it's like, okay, we need to save the offense intention, uh, putting them out of their certainties and their comfort zone, disrupt their strengths. So all those things also make it fun because imagine if you start doing that, they were seeing that they were having easy fast breaks. Everyone was scoring. Uh, everyone is playing. It's like it's it's easier. It's like it's sold uh, easier. At the beginning of the season, we had uh, we, we crushed the other team. So, uh, but all at the beginning, then they adapted eventually. But at the beginning, uh, they never played like that. And actually, I've been seeing them uh, scoring hundred points like it's nothing. But then they were uh, taking one hundred twenty. So, and then uh, meanwhile, we adapted to that, and then we were keeping the other teams to seventy. And then when you win like that, then it's easy because it's like okay, if I'm buying in on defense then uh, it's everything easy on offense. And this, this, for example, I have the example of this uh, Serbian guy that was my second foreigner, let's say. It's a local foreigner. Mm -hmm. uh, he has always been a scorer, uh, always scoring around 15, 16 points. 
this season he has been he wanted to guard the foreigner of the other teams he was asking me to guard them he was guarding like he was the youngest of the team and he's 34 and then he was scoring 20 per game so he had his best season offensively because on defense he could have uh, actually was asking me that he wanted to play the best player on the other side he wants to say okay let's see if this guy can beat me then when you have uh, one of your leaders acting like that everyone that is in the game even one second, they want to give you their all. And I had also a great example from the last guy on my, on my bench. He was the one that on practice was always there, always fighting to get one more minute on the, on the game. And when you have this type of uh, relationship with your players, and when you have all this, like defense is very easy to sell. Uh, it's not happening always, because I had also some unsuccessful uh, phases of my coaching career before and it was uh, really hard to convince them but because mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't have to be convincing it's just that to be honest like okay guys if we use that we can have this result it's up to you and then if uh, they see above all if this message is passing to the leaders of the, of the team then it's easier it's going by itself because if the leaders are doing that all the other role players are following so that, that has been key this season yeah. And then, you know, I wanted to ask you a little bit about how you're training this in your practices. And so, you know, one of my questions is, you know, you're emphasizing individual responsibilities to each player, but how do you also get them to understand, okay, I got to buy into a team concept or a family concept as, as well? Well, um, normally we have uh, small-sided games uh, to recreate situation that uh, we struggle with defensively. Or, for example, if it's at the beginning of the year, I'm uh, giving them some uh, specific rules, uh, telling, okay, uh, we don't want to get beaten in the middle. That's an example. Uh, one, two rules that are important for everyone. They all they have to apply to that. So then normally I go from global to individual. I can start a practice even with a five on five and then uh, making really create the progression from one on one on two on two. And then uh, normally I'm uh, less, I'm more for the flow of the practice. Like I make the flow go at a high intensity. So I push them to go at a high intensity. I try to stop as uh, less as I can uh, more on the fly unless there are repeated mistakes. In that case, I make sure that the main message and the goal passes to everyone. Then many drills are known. Uh, you know, I, I even use some uh, shell uh, drills, but they're all adapted to different scenarios uh, every time. And then what is great also is to have assistant coaches where you can, uh, you know, uh, talk uh, to communicate and uh, see, okay, we can try to do this like this. Let's try it. Also, experimenting is a big part of coaching, even if there are uh, big, uh, you know, things at, at stake, but it's important because uh, that makes you uh, relevant also with the players. Sometimes uh, we communicate with the players. Um, some parts uh, of the season, I had my captain coming to me and like, "Coach, can we try this uh, this drill instead, or can we try to do it like that?" And then I'm really open to listen to them, and then I'm uh, trying them on the court. Then I give my my two cents. It's like, okay. I think this is really great. Thank you, David, for uh, bringing this up. Or uh, I can say, I think it's great, but let's also try uh, to find this other uh, part of the drill, this other part we can focus more. And that is making everyone, you know, like part of the family. That's why it's like, um, I think it's um, more of a mental game. And uh, the defensive drill, uh, they, 
nowadays it's easy, you know, to go and like, oh, let's try this drill. Obradovic did that, or uh, Messina did that. It's like uh, it's uh, something that is always coming up. But then it's about the goal. Okay, I have this goal. I want my guys to guard on this type of situation. Okay, we have uh, to work on this uh, type of closeout because in the last game we have been uh, killed on this type of situation. So let's try what is uh, working for us. And that's that's my, totally my approach on this uh, type of things. So um, normally, uh, ah, I use, for example, uh, burst concepts. I think mm-hmm. with Alex Arama, we have been talking about that too. Defense stays two, three action against different teams on open. So uh, they're used like sometimes on sometimes on the game. There are some offensive rebounds, and then the defense has to play several defense, you know, two, three defense in a row. If they're getting used to still play tough in this type of situation, then it's easier when it's uh, one action and they can uh, go for a deception or they can go for a defensive rebound or a close out. Uh, normally, I give uh, different cues to the offense to make the defense adapt every action. So depends. Normally, I use like that. I give cues to the defense if I'm working on offense. Then I'm, I'm going all the way around working now. For example, on defense, I'm telling, I'm coaching the offense while I'm uh, giving the defense to their own. Sometimes I, I use this uh, tool a lot this year to make uh, timeouts. I was like, okay, the offense has been scoring five times in a row. Can we make a timeout and decide what to do next? Both on offense, both on defense. They're they're doing on their own. They're out of coaching themselves. Because then at the end of... Uh, I, I can give my tips during the game. I can yell at them something. But then most of the time they're playing on their own. They're taking decisions all the time. So if they're able to recognize some part of the game, how can they adapt? That's a win for me. Because uh, he's playing on the court. He's on the court. I I can do whatever. I can say whatever I want. But then on the court, they're going. <laughs> yeah. They, they can find a solution on their own. That's uh, what we're aiming for, at least from my side. So that that's a big change I've been having in my coaching career. At the beginning, for example, in Denmark, I was so controlling on everything. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, this has to be like this. And then I was stopping practice every three seconds. And the point is, like, it's becoming... Boring. <laughs> I was a player too, and it was boring when the coach is stopping you every two seconds. Like, ah, man. <laughs> yeah. No. But then eventually, I adapted to that. Yeah, a, a couple of good points there that I was kind of thinking about as you were answering that question is that idea of timeouts and having the um, your players, you know, kind of game plan and giving them yep. that time to kind of communicate together. That's something that we incorporated this last year is that, you know, we just say, okay, you guys got to get together offense. You come up with a plan defense. You come up with a plan. Let's, let's go. And it was just kind of awesome to see because, you know, that eventually started to carry over to the game situations that the kids would start talking to each other. And then, you know, I think one of the biggest things uh, for me, I was thinking about was um, in a game that we played, the other night, um, they were trying to feed the post, uh, you know, heavily and, uh, our kids just doubled and I never called that. Like I never said let's double, but it gave that team a hard, hard time. And it just came naturally to the kids that they figured out, okay, we can double this team and we're not going to, you know, like they, that, that post has a hard time, like making any type of decision besides like going over left shoulder. Yeah, yeah, that's that's amazing. I think, I don't know, when you see something like that from the coach perspective, it's like, wow, it's amazing. <laughs> Even I didn't call that. It's like they, yeah. they make up by their own. But it's because you're training them to think. Like during the game, they have to think. They have to uh, take decisions all the time. So 
if they're waiting for us to do something, they lose that second. That, that could be, you know, uh, the other team is calling that second. So, yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you, cause you talked a little bit about kind of your offensive philosophy uh, as well. And so here, you know, just tell me like, uh, initiating your offense through transition and just being that kind of the, okay, this is what's going to get, get us into us. Talk a little bit about, uh, how you approach that. Well, normally, uh, we try to give some rules, uh, as I said before, also on the defense, not too many because they have to be one, two that they always remember. We point on them. So we know that uh, on our fast break, as we have a, a really good uh, post-up player that is always the first one to run. We want him uh, to post up as uh, quick as possible. This is an, an example of many years ago. Uh, we were going for that and we knew that we were aiming for that. And even if that player was not uh, going along, we knew how to continue. We knew already that we wanted to swing the ball on the other side, for example. So conceptually, uh, we were using a two-side fast break with one team. On the other team, we had a big man, for example, in Denmark, I had a big man. So we were running in the three circles. He's running the big man and then we're feeding him. Or uh, we're using, for example, uh, if it's too slow to run there, we can use uh, a drag screen at the beginning. So... That that is uh, also based on the quality of the players, you know, mm -hmm. the type of players you have. Uh, but mostly, I like to you know study the team before to see which type of players we have. Sometimes some players are coming during the season, and then it's like okay, we adapt because we have this type of player that is a shooter, for example. So we can uh, use a. Uh, we still remain the same. We have the same philosophy, but on this, if we have him, we can do also this other range of things. So. It's also to put your uh, coherence uh, and then to to find it flexible. You know, it's like, okay, guys, we know we have rules, but our rules are in order to find an advantage, are in order to score, are in order to be the quickest to run on the other side. So that's uh, a higher goal that's most important of uh, the rules. So it's important in this uh, type of uh, situation that uh, you give power to the players. For example, I had... Uh, uh, this Serbian guy again, you know, I'm talking about him. He's a guy that uh, at some point is going on fast break and shooting from three all of a sudden. But he, when he's on a roll, he's uh, making it. I'm never saying no to, to that. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, you're open. We're uh, three against two. And then you you stop and shoot from three. I'm fine with it, even if he's missing. And that gives him uh, confidence also to make an extra pass, to uh, not take that shot or then to go inside because he knew that he could do it. He didn't have to fight against the coach like probably has been in all his career so uh, and it's something that if you if you give them the the power but within your rules and you know already where you can give and when you cannot give then in that order of ideas it's easier to run fast break and uh, yeah of course i like a lot to, uh, if i have to choose my players i'm going on two sides transition and uh, trying to, for the driving kick out this is the type of uh, game i uh, I used to learn and also I, I mm -hmm. see that is uh, nowadays in modern basketball uh, working the most than depends on the performers that are on the on the court. Right. So uh, a lot of high school level basketball teams, uh, the states are implementing a shot clock. And so we're getting yep. this whole series of uh of teams that have to learn to play within a shot clock. And so my, my question for you on this is, can you kind of talk about some of your rules or concepts when it comes to end of shot clock situations? Mm, okay. 
Uh, normally, I use the uh, ball uh, with the senior concept. Uh, we use the pick and roll, uh, central pick and roll for uh, uh, lead clock uh, shot because that is uh, it's a trigger. Okay, I will put it in Sarama's uh, vocabulary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a trigger that uh, we use or an end off. Uh, that is uh, something that we go to. Uh, we can use pistol. It's this type of uh, quick situation with quick hitter that we can use in the in late uh, type of uh, play. Well, if uh, you're changing rules, probably you're gonna find a lot of that because now you know, for the coach's perspective, find X and O is exciting and everything. Uh, to put it within uh, a structure of uh, the team is a little bit different because it's like okay, we know that in this type of situation we do this. Okay, this is our identity. And then uh, we can read uh, also because basketball is all reading, is all decision making. So if you implement uh, two, three uh, triggers that can help you uh, have this type of situation at the end, that is uh, also going to have a lot of results because you know that uh, I, mm, the player is feeling confident that he has uh, something that he can find a solution at the last second. All right, great. Uh, well, Christian, I appreciate your time. I got just a couple more questions for you. And so, you know, I know that probably where you were at last year in Malta was, you know, you probably had some players that were hoping that they could develop a little bit so that they could maybe get to that next level, a little bigger paycheck and stuff like that. So how were you working with the individuals on their, um, on their, on, I'm sorry, how were you working with the individuals on your team uh, in their personal development? Well, it again depends on the individual goal. Uh, normally, we set uh, for. Uh, I used to do this uh, game at the beginning of the season. I uh, I told them, okay, send me a message with uh, what you what are your goals, what you what are your goals individually, what you want to get better at. So I, I was giving them like two three tasks, and everyone had to send me a message privately so they didn't have to share with the others. So we I couldn't know what. Uh, what he was expecting, okay, of himself. Uh, so based on that, then I was checking if uh, what he was expecting was uh, realistic and also was uh, something that was uh, uh, good for him uh, in order to get better. And many times it happens that does not fit. So you have to be good also at taking, uh, you know, like selling a little bit like, ah, I'm helping you to get there, but you have to get better at this because it's better for you, for your career. And uh, being open to discuss uh, with the player, uh, as he see himself, it's making him buy-in. It's the same thing of the defense. It's, uh, actually, I found this as a recipe because it's uh, it's uh, making them feel they're listening. They're uh, heard and they're willing to do anything for you because it's like, okay, this guy is uh, listening to me, so I want to I want to do it. I, I trust him. And we usually, for example, at the morning sessions, both in Denmark and in uh, Malta, and uh, normally, when I have a younger prospect, I tend to uh, normally they struggle with confidence. So actually, I'm uh, trying to push them to have uh, I don't know the same type of action, the same type of shot until that gets comfortable, and that is their uh, go-to when they're uh, struggling. They know that I don't know uh, they they go post up and go for a fadeaway. As example, they can go and uh, have a shot of the uh, pick and central pick and roll. And we're working constantly on that. So that creates confidence for the young player. And when he has confidence at that point and becomes a little bit specialized in that thing, then we can open up to other situations. Like, ah, oh, you know, you know what? You did great. You learned that. 
so fast because also it's something that he liked. Normally I'm picking that before. And then they're going on their own when it's uh, about something new that they have to learn that is uh, going to make them uh, uh, have better results. For example, uh, this season I've been working with uh, some 25 years old, which they're not even that young, on the overhead pass. Mm -hmm. They never did it before. I had uh, the captain of the national team in Malta. He never had that because he used to use, you know, stop and go on the other side and then pass the ball, which is great and it's fundamentally right. It's just it's taking more time. So we relearn, you know, we reteach to do that. And um, for example, with the more experienced players, we try to give uh, edge to some uh, details about something they have in their limitation. It's like, okay, uh, we may. Uh, you play great because you know where to go when you're struggling you know that uh, for you driving to the basket is a good thing so we have to work for example on this type of pass and it's a good way to get their attention because at, when they're more experienced they kind of have this attitude they kind of know everything already about yeah. basketball when you put them on the spot it's like okay but on this you're not as good it's like you, you take it as a challenge so they want to get better on that thing and then uh, Next two games, you see that he's using that tool. And that is uh, also the reinforcement has to be there. It's like, hey, David, I saw you. Like, you did, uh, you did that thing that we've been working on. And it went great. So that helped me more with the more uh, experienced guys. While with the younger ones, I'm trying to make them gain their confidence. Because sometimes there are so many things that we have to work on that I'm like, okay, where do we start? And <laughs> yeah. then if, if we go, it's like, okay, we go, what do you like? Like, you like also to shoot from three? Okay, we use uh, some exercise for the, for the form, for the strength of your legs. And then another thing that I always add to individual uh, training is like always defense. Like uh, even if it's something that they have to work, if I don't have any defender, I don't have a small group to work with, uh, you know, SSGs, uh, anything. Uh, I'm the coach. I have an assistant coach. We are defenders. We we have always to push the decision-making skill. I cannot uh, uh, waste too much time on against zero because, yeah, okay, uh, you're a post player. I teach you that you have to make fake uh, on the left, taking the ball here and then going on the opposite side. Okay, defender, boom. The defender is doing another thing. What do you have to do? So it's something that they have to pick up more quickly because then in the game, uh, also when you coach a senior team, you don't have so much time. In the mornings, for example, we have to practice at, at 6 a.m. because they go to work. Many of them, they're not uh, all uh, paid for playing basketball only. So in many scenarios in, in Europe, uh, lower tires, it's like that. So you have to find time for that. And then also you have to make them come and you know it has to be also fun. So yeah. yeah, to find a balance between all these things. But normally this is my go-to with the individual work. This is going to kind of bring us full circle, I guess, in a sense, is that, you know, you announced recently that you had a, a good split with your, your team in Malta. And so you're a free agent. So like, kind of, how are you approaching this? What, 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 uh, what's, what's next uh, in line for you? Do you think? Yeah, well, uh, First of all, uh, I'm always in good terms with my, now that I'm thinking about, I have a good relationship also because when there is communication, uh, it's easier. Okay. Mm -hmm. And for example, with my latest uh, president, I've been having an amazing relationship. We're friends. Like uh, it's more than that. It's more than basketball. 
And that is helping you also in the process of finding a new team because uh, they know that uh, you're a person that uh, is communicative, uh, is a leader, uh, can help your team grow not only on a basketball side. So honestly, uh, I'm not too worried. <laughs> uh, I, I build a network. I'm, uh, I have my agent also working on that, like in Europe works like that. But all for certain areas, for example, in Italy, there are... Uh, uh, agents from Italy, and uh, there are many from each region, so it's kind of divided like that. Then, of course, uh, I want to grow my career and continue ahead. Uh, I'm ambitious, so <laughs> I believe that I can help uh, some other team uh, anytime soon. And I'm going on a on a trip actually this Sunday. I have a, a camp in North Italy with uh, one of the best youth uh, teams uh, in Europe, which is Bassano. Uh, orange, I don't know if you heard, like uh, they play YBL, and uh, and then I'm going to Denmark. Obviously, I have a lot of network there, and I have another uh, uh, camp there, uh, always development camps, uh, less fun, more uh, work, and then uh, I have a course for a FIBA Europe uh, certificate, which allows me also to, to coach national teams, and uh, who knows what the future holds. <laughs> All right, so. Tell us a little bit, uh, if people want to learn more about Flexiball or like, where should they go? Okay. Well, uh, we have, uh, also, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. So we're, uh, putting a lot of, uh, a little bit of content lately, a little bit more silent, but we've been working all uh, year long. And then, uh, uh, the idea is to create a program and in the future, an academy, uh, because I believe so much in it. Uh, and it's as I told you before, like uh, I call it uh, flexibler because it's uh, helping you to be flexible mentally and physically. I think that's key in today's game. Uh, check the Euroleague, check the NBA. They have 82 games. They implement now an in uh, in season tournament. They have a lot of games during all season, and they have less time to recover. And then uh, yoga is like I'm I'm practicing, but then I'm recovering in the same time. And then uh, that is helping also my decision making because I can mix both things. And uh, when you can, uh, when you know when to stop and uh, breathe, and then to retry and restart, then then it's gonna be easier. You know, you express your full potential. That's uh, that's the idea of the program. Awesome. Well, Christian, it's been a pleasure to to get to know you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for uh, for your time, William.